So today we're going to take a look at one of the figures of speech that Jesus uses. And this isn't, uh, this isn't one I'm probably, I don't want to say most well-known. It's just one that probably is just a little underrepresented. And I kind of get why. I mean, for the t-shirt biz, it's probably not your best way to go when you're trying to come up with a good metaphor for Jesus. You don't see too many people with it tattooed across their chest. So, you know, maybe one or two. You don't even hear it really in a song. I know you're dying to know. It's not light. It's not vine. It's not rock. It's not a mighty fortress. You know what it is? It's a gate. And I kind of get that. I mean, you know, Jesus is the gate. You know, I think about my gate. I don't even like my gate. It's a nice gate. It's white. But it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's a gate. And so what's, what's Jesus doing here? So let me read this scripture for you. And uh, then we're going to dive in and, and kind of unpack this figure of speech that, that Jesus gives here. So this is uh, John chapter 10, starting at the first verse, right? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When, he's brought all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We pick up right after chapter 9. If you remember chapter 9, that was Jesus and the blind man. All the Pharisees, all the big arguments that happened. And Jesus, again, is trying to tell us, the Pharisees, what's what and who he is. And I kind of get why they hit him with the old, what you talking about, Jesus, kind of answer. They got this whole like sheep pin going on. They're not quite getting it. So he just kind of tells them plainly, I am the gate. And if we could summarize that, we would say, Jesus is the only way into heaven. He's the only way into that sheep pen. The only way to receive eternal life is through Jesus. Boom. Sermon over. Faster than Pastor Bob. Can I get a round of applause for that? And I'm out, turning the lights off and everything. Wouldn't that be great? He's like, yes, that would be great. Is he just, you can't lie from the pulpit, dude. You said it's over. You got to get down. I'm just kidding. I was joking. Now, when we see that figure of speech, he also says something at the end. I've come that they have life to the full. Not just eternal life, but a life in the here and the now. And what is this full life? What does it mean to have a, a full life? And if you're out there sitting there, you're probably like, dude, take off that Britney Spears mic, hand it to me, because I know exactly what a full life is. I, leave it, I live it Monday through Sunday, 365. A full life is doing all the things that I got to do. I got to wake up. I got to work. I got to take care of the kids. I got to take them to practice. I got to have some spouse time. I got to exercise. <laughs> I got to volunteer. I got to go to church. I got to get the groceries. I got to go to the doctor. I got to cook. I got to sit in traffic. I got to watch TV every once in a while. I got parties to attend to. I got school I got to look at. I got problems. I got homework. And the list goes on and on and on, and that is the full life. So let's go, preacher man. Tell us what you want me to do so that I can add it to the list and we can get going. But I have a feeling that if we were sitting there with Jesus like the Samaritan woman did at the well, we'd probably have one of those moments that she had. And when we look at today's scripture verse, I think it calls us to kind of reorientate something that I say all the time, to reorientate our head and our heart 
and see how that then influences our hands and the habits that we fill our lives worth with. Because Christ does describe in those 10 verses what the full life looks like. It's really subtle, but you can catch it. And what it looks like is not just this going from here to there, from portfolio to portfolio, from practice to other practice, but the life, the full life in Jesus Christ is one that's like a, a rubber band, one that's always going in and stretching out and coming back in. And if you keep that in your mind, you got to have to remember that a calendar-filled life is not a filled life. Because a calendar-filled life kind of leads to a life that's filled of, uh, you know, exhaustion and tiredness, not one of joy, not one of contentment and peace. And somewhere along the way, I think we bought into this idea that Jesus has come as the gate and said, okay, here's eternal life, it's yours, and now the rest of your life, I'll be there to kind of help you when you stray, when you fall, but on the rest, it's on your own. And I don't know why we kind of lean towards that, why we choose rather to depend on ourselves, why we choose rather to depend on the things that we can do. But if we look at the idea of the rubber band that I think the text draws out for us, we see that the life that is full is one that comes in and goes back out, a life that is constantly being stretched. So how do you stay in? If you come in every morning, right, every night, all those moments of time, we spend it in Christ. We know how to do those things. We know how to pray. We know how to refocus our mind, take deep breaths, and bring Christ into those moments. We know how to study his word. We know how to come into church. We know how to sing. But so much of us says, dude, what about the real life? What about that part where we have to go out? Where does Jesus come in to that? Because I can't just sit around praying and reading all day. And that's where we begin to see things differently. See, a rubber band knows that it's going to stretch and come back. It doesn't want to stretch, break, and then fly off into nowhere land. It wants to stay just like this. And so if we see things differently, we realize that the moments we go out of the sheep pen, the moment we enter into the real day-to-day 365 living, are not something that's separate from him are not something that we're trying to compartmentalize, but are something that is in him and for him. Because we change about what we're looking for. And we have to ask ourselves honest questions. Honest questions like, what are you seeking? And what do you hope to find when you go out in that life? And where do you want to end? Because if it's just busyness and going from place to place, you're going to be doing that forever. But imagine what life would look like if you saw it going in and back out and in and back out, going out for him, going out with a purpose that says, I'm not wandering around here on my own, but I know that I'm going to come back when the shepherd calls my name, back and forth. No more aimless wandering, in and out. And we kind of set that up in the way that Jesus has designed the church to function, right? This idea of resting in him and serving others. This idea of working for six days and taking a Sabbath. This idea of confessing our sins and receiving absolution. The idea of receiving what he's given to us and bringing praise back to him. The full life is movement, but it's movement centered in Christ, back and forth. When we live this way, we suddenly realize that life isn't some dangerous terrain. But rather, life is a pasture, 
a pastor that he has prepared for us to walk in. And each of us are called to a different piece of grass. Each of us have different gifts and abilities to graze on and to live in. We do it individually, but we do it corporately as the people of Christ. And when we see the pastor and we see life that way, we begin to realize what he's saying when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the rest of these things will be given to you. Because when we're in him constantly, he provides the things that we need for the body in a worry-free life. And we find that the shepherd isn't driving us from behind with the whip saying, do more, don't do that, do this. We see that he's leading us, that he's leading us to green grass and still waters. And then when we find ourselves in dark or barren places of life, which we do, not if, but when we do, surrounded by wolves and in the midst of all of it, sickness and brokenness, hurt and even death, we're in him. Stretched though we may be, there he is, present, comforting us and leading us. And in the pasture of life, he provides and calls us back by name. Just like he calls Maverick today by name, in a personal way, each and every one of us is called in love and joy and excitement. And I want to invite the band back up here. They're going to lead us in this song, a song that, that recalls that Jesus has called us each by name, called us to live in that life. And as the band's making their way up, I want to leave you with this final thought. You know, a full life is not what we do for ourselves or what we can get but what Christ has done for us and what we do for one another in love. And I'm always blown away when if you look in Scripture and you try to find the times, the personal times where someone did something for Jesus, you think, okay, well, you got Simon carrying the cross for Jesus. you got the woman who, got, who cries on his, on his feet and is clearing him off with, uh, with her hair, right? Maybe we got Mary and Martha. Maybe we got uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Maybe one other example. But we find that Jesus didn't really come to be served or to get something in this life but rather his life was full because it was spent for us. And he invites us into that as well. And I'm blown away by the scripture that says, they look at Jesus and they say, what are you talking about? When did we do anything for you? He says, I tell you the truth. You fed me, you visited me in prison, you put clothes on me, and you did all these things for me. And they respond again, like, what are you talking about? When did we do that? We never even saw you, Jesus. He says, whatever you did for the least of one of these, you did for me. So I pray that God blesses you and gives you the ability to love deeply, to find rest in him as you go in and out in the pasture that he calls you to. And you embrace the full life that he desires for you. As he calls you by name, calls you his, his child.